And that's the Pittsburgh Penguins as trade deadline losers. Why? Because they didn't bring anyone in of significance to add to this aging core, which A, might not make the playoffs, B, if they do make the playoffs, are probably going to get steamrolled by Boston. You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to episode 162 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. Harper, uh, Casey, and Chad uh, all together for this one. Guys, uh, the NHL trade deadline, or shall we say trade deadline week, is now in the rearview mirror. Uh, Final stretch of the season before the playoffs already. Into March now. How we doing? Doing good, doing good. The trade deadline, not so fun, but... Everything beforehand was great, so that kept the the week exciting, and then the weekend was pretty fun with Rebecca's birthday, and seems like everyone else I know had a birthday in the first week of March, including uh, Paige, so Chad had a party the same night we did, kind of stole each other's thunder, but yeah, it was a great weekend. Yeah, had a party the same night uh, for Paige that you did for Rebecca. And also Adam had a party on the weekend, too. It was his birthday. So just all the birthdays in one weekend. And it was a shame that we couldn't all get together. But obviously, you know, we had uh, some different priorities and stuff. I'm sure we all had a good time. I know I did. That's for sure. Um, but I'm doing well, boys. Uh, I, I'm just like you, we mentioned fantasy before we started recording, and I can't believe we're almost in the playoffs now. Like it seems like, you know, now that we've started the playoffs or next week when we start the playoffs, we're getting towards the end of the actual NHL regular season. So it just feels crazy kind of to think about where we are. You know, the deadline is passed and fantasy playoffs are coming up and sooner or later, the NHL playoffs are going to be here. And that is the best time of the year. Um, Other than that, also wanted to mention, too, that I officially am a standing desk king now in the group with Casey. I have my electric standing desk that I got uh, today, actually. So I basically dropped everything, built the desk, did my cable management and everything. And I don't know why, like I'm like a kid in a candy store or, or a kid that just got a new toy and had to assemble it and everything. I just had so much fun today doing that and uh, putting off work. Maybe that's why I had so much fun. But yeah, doing well, all things considered. Uh, how, how about you, Harp? What's up? I'm good, man. Can't complain. Another good weekend. We uh, we had Dancing Stars of Leeds Grenville at, uh, at TIS on Saturday night. It was the final one. So that was really good. And uh, looking forward to getting uh, to do some Brockville Braves playoff games here coming up because uh, their regular season is almost over and uh, they're looking pretty good right now. So, yeah, all is good. And the whole standing desk thing, did you guys get that from Dwight Schrute from the office or how did you how did you both get on the standing desks? I'm not going to lie. I got absolutely got by Instagram uh, like ad targeting and I always knew I wanted a stand-up desk, but I just it didn't really happen until I saw a bunch of ads targeting me about electric desks. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And it's been great. I don't have it set up right now because I'm currently moving, but yeah. 
Yeah, and for me, Harp, it's just like I'm an athlete, so that's what it's all about. Just keeping the legs fresh, just in case. Just like I got to phrases all day. Yeah, in case I got to go dunk on someone or something, you know. Like you never know. So just being an athlete, that's why you need a standing desk. Oh, of course. <laughs> all right, boys, let's get into this episode. Uh, we're going to do Fantasy Corner later on. Uh, Chad, as you mentioned, uh, this is the final week uh, in the regular season for our Boys in the Booth Fantasy Hockey League. So that's coming up later. Uh, but uh, we're going to talk about uh, winners and losers from the NHL trade deadline. Kind of uh, low-hanging fruit when it comes to a topic, but uh, you know, a pretty popular one right now, given all the moves and everything that happened happened uh leading up to the trade deadline so we're each going to pick a winner first and then a loser so uh what do you guys want to start with winners or losers let's start start positively yeah Yeah. positive okay all right i like it let's start with our winners case let's go to you first man uh oddly enough harper is wearing the hat currently of the team that i think is one of the winners but my winner of the trade deadline and that's the ottawa senators um, they made a couple moves, two of them not as ne- nearly as important as one, but that Jacob Chikrin move was fantastic. I have been uh, under contract that I'm not allowed to talk about Chikrin and trade rumors, but the contract is now broken because he's been traded. It's done. It means I can talk about it. I can celebrate it because, boy... Did they ever get him for a lot less than what we thought it was going to be? Like, it was always mentioned that it's going to be either multiple firsts or and a blue chip prospect or a good ready now player, a blue chip prospect and a first. Like, we heard so much, and Arizona's been turning down these guys and turning down these guys because they're not getting enough. And then it comes down to the wire and they trade them for. I think pennies on the dollar, if you ask me, um, this is great. And this, we've talked about in the past, is exactly what Ottawa needed. They needed a defenseman, and they needed a top-pairing defenseman. They got that in Jacob Chikrin, and it's going to look good having him and Shabbat on this team. They've got depth on defense now in the pipeline. They've got Sanderson, Zub playing now, uh, Bernard Docker, Lassie Thompson, the list goes on. This team is stacked on the back end for years to come. And the other thing I really loved about this trade is it showed the direction. They played their cards. They said, this is what we're doing with this team now. We're going to be good now. We're done with the rebuild. We've got lots of youth on the team, good youth on the team. We've brought in Giroux to be this leader who is playing unbelievable for them. Just it, it really shows the direction of this team and they got a really good player in Chikorin. A couple stats for Chikorin just quickly. Uh, since he entered the league in 2016-2017, he's 13th for D-men and goals per game. Uh, somehow he's almost only a minus 36 in 376 games for the Arizona Coyotes playing 21, 22, 23 minutes a night. So that's pretty special in its own right. And then some of the stats are showing on TSN about him, uh, his 5v5 zone exit carries. Uh, he's fourth in the league. Zone entry carries, he's third in the league. Ozone possession time, he's 11th. Expected goals off the cycle, he's third. Scoring chances, he's ninth. Shots from the slot, he's second. He is so good at moving the puck, skating with the puck, being that first pass. So this is great for the Senators, and I'm 
over the moon for that team because I think the fans are ready to see them be good again. By the way, the trade was for a 2023 first, 2024 second, and a 2026 second with conditions on the first two picks there. Pennies on the dollar is right, Case. Like, we thought Jacob Chikrin was going to go for a king's ransom because he was in rumors for a year and a half. They held on to him. And finally, I don't know if it was the player being upset or Arizona just feeling like this has dragged on too long, we have to do something, and decided to take that lesser return. Uh, Or maybe they just didn't have that kind of return out there for the player. I don't know exactly what it was, but... They got the deal done finally, and Jacob Chikrin completely overhauls that blue line in Ottawa. So you say they're the winners of the trade deadline. I say they're definitely up there. Like it's a it's a different looking team with Jacob Chikrin. We've seen that in the few games that he's already played for them, and now all of a sudden, you know, Pierre Dorian made made the promise to Claude Giroux that he was going to compete and and get some extra pieces so that they can be a good team going forward, and now. Now, all of a sudden, they're looking like it. They're right back in the playoff race. And I think in their last 10 games, they're one of the hottest teams in the league. I think the Bruins might be the only hotter team right now. Exactly tied with the Bruins. And, and so, like all the stats, I saw I saw a snapshot of it or a shot of it the other day, yesterday, yeah. I think. And it, they're the exact same. And it was like, here's a list of stats. Here's a list of stats. They're the exact same. One's Boston, one's Ottawa. It's crazy. Yeah, so there you go. They're playing at at such a clip right now where, you know, they're trying to squeeze into that final playoff spot. And like we talked about before we uh, started recording today, the East is completely wide open for those last two spots. There's about six or seven teams competing right right now for those two spots. So, Case, I agree with you. Loved that move in particular for the Sens. And uh, I think they're definitely one of the winners of the deadline. What do you think, Harp? Well, obviously, I agree. I love this pick. And while I don't think it's as bad of a return for Arizona or could be as bad of a return as a lot of people out there think, I think it all kind of depends where that first-round pick lands in the draft this year for the Ottawa Senators and for the Coyotes. The Phoenix or Arizona could end up getting a really high-end player with that pick, and it could end up being a little bit better. But obviously, we're not talking about the Coyotes. We're talking about the Senators who made this deal. Pierre Dorian was actually at the Brockville Memorial Center on Friday night uh, watching his son Antoine play for the Hawksbury Hawks. So, you know, I'm doing play-by-play, and I, I, look, to my, uh, I look to my right, and uh, right down uh, at, the other, uh, at the other end of the rink is Pierre Dorian right there just, uh, just a few days after um, making, this, uh, making this deal. So, um, yeah, really, really exciting for the Ottawa Senators. What a shot in the arm at a perfect time. The team has won five of their last six. Uh, the streak obviously ended last night with kind of a stinker against the Chicago Blackhawks. But up to that point, they've been red hot. 
you can tell that this means the world to Jacob Chikrin. He's got local uh, connections, obviously, his grandfather and his sister being in Ottawa. He's so happy to be there. Uh, he looks great. He He's in such great shape. He's He plays that heavy game. He's got a bomb of a shot. He scored a great goal for his first as a senator on Saturday night uh, in the win over the Blue Jackets. Uh, before that, played a, a great road game in a, in a big win win for them over the New York Rangers and uh, got to give a lot of credit to Pierre Dorian for pulling off this move um, you know not only by getting the player and pulling it off but a good general manager I think listens to his players and he obviously listened to guys like Derek Broussard and Claude Giroux who went to him and were like we would like some help we you know we're in a good spot here we're back in the race let's get a guy who can really change the mix here and uh no better guy to do that than jacob chikrin and uh really um serve a huge need for them which is a a top four defenseman so i love it all the way through for the ottawa senators and for jacob chikrin really happy for him especially that this saga is now all over yeah and i I expect this to be such a weight off his mind that he's only going to get better in, in the next coming months so uh i'm really hopeful that they can make a push and be a playoff team one of those wild card spots uh preferably over the new york islanders uh it would be great to see ottawa in there again and he's the guy to help them do it like like i said they needed a top pairing defenseman bad and now they have it and between him and shabbat that's so many so many minutes like what is that 48 minutes a night from those two guys yeah, exactly. And, it, you know, it takes some of the load off of Shabbat, which is really needed because we know how much he's been asked to do there over the last uh, several years. And you've got Zub and Jake Sanderson is going to be a star for them back there as well. So I just love it. And also a really great part of this, two more years at $4.6 million for Jacob Chikrin. That is huge for the kind of player that he is. Think about dumping Zaitsev his cap and then bring back Chikrin for like the same amount that's insane yeah absolutely crazy (laughs) yeah it sure is all right uh off the senators page again uh case a great pick for uh for one of the winners at the deadline uh chad let's get your winner yeah so harp you said off the top that uh or maybe before we started recording that you think you might know who i'm talking about um, but I can guarantee you don't because I'm picking the New York Rangers as the winners of the deadline. Um, I called them frauds about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago now. I said uh, in a hot take episode that they might miss the playoffs this year. And I mean, listen, that's not going to happen. They're firmly in. They were a pretty good team before the deadline. Now, I think they are a great team and a team that is, you know, one of the top teams in the East, in my opinion. And I guess we'll see how it works out in the playoffs. But I think the Rangers are the winners of the deadline because they got two of the best available players on the market. You can argue that Timo Meyer was the best player on the market, and I think that's a pretty fair argument to make. But if after him, when you look down the list, you know, Tarasenko and Patrick Kane are two of the other best players that were available, and they got them both, and they didn't have to give up very much. So 
Kane Tarasenko, also Nico Mikola uh, to add depth on the blue line, and Tyler Mott to add depth up front. Four players coming in, all impact players in my opinion, and going out, you know, you've got Kraftsov who you needed to move because the player was uh, a bit disgruntled. You've got Sammy Blay going out the door, that's fine, he's replaced by Mott, Hunter Skinner, and some picks. Like, that, like, those pieces going out compared to those pieces coming in, I think they win 100%, 10 times out of 10. They got very much uh, a better team from this deadline. And now, like, you look at their lines top to bottom, they are so deep, and every line can score. Like, now you've got the kid line of Kako, Heedle, and Lafreniere playing on the third line instead of the second or breaking them up and playing them uh, all in the top six or you know, Heedle has a three-series or whatever, but now they're all on the third line playing together and getting even easier matchups. And I know I've said in the past I want those three players to play more, but now you're justified in pushing them down the lineup because their top six is absolutely loaded. So I think the Rangers are going to be scary in the playoffs, and uh, it's all because of a wonderful trade deadline. So they're the winners in my books. Yeah, that's exactly why the Devils need to pass Carolina here because... They're going to have to play the Rangers if not, and that's just going to put me through all sorts of stress because I hate their guts, and they're going to be a good team, especially in the playoffs. They had a deep run um, like last year and last year. Yep, last year. Yeah, Stanley Cup or Eastern Conference Final, right? Yeah, lost yep. to Tampa. Yep. <sighs> yeah, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, talk about dollars. Or penny up, pennies on the dollar for Patrick Kane. Like I don't think anyone was expecting such a small return for him. But uh, j- just saying, no points and a minus four in his first two games for the Rangers. So <laughs> I think everyone else who has been traded has at least scored a goal or an assist. I don't know. It's weird. Um, but yeah, I, I can't. I can't deny there's been a great trade deadline for the Rangers. They did it last year. They picked up a ton of guys going in. Uh, I think Andrew Cobb is the one that really shown shined for them last year, and uh, so far it's been Tarasenko. But expect Patrick Kane to be absolutely money in the playoffs. So that's a lot of experience you just picked up for these playoff this playoff push, and it's going to be scary. But hopefully they're going to be a first round exit. Yeah, could very well be a first-round exit depending on who they play. But also, I wanted to mention, didn't they also get Tyler Mott last year at the deadline? Yes. Like, I'm pretty sure. So that's two years in a row now that they've traded for (laughs) Tyler Mott, which is kind of funny. And, like, then he went and signed in Ottawa in the offseason, and now he's back in New York. Like, I think it's pretty cool. And, like, sneaky good player, too, for your bottom six to provide some energy. Like, he's Mm -hmm. obviously bounced around a ton, kind of found himself in Vancouver, and has bounced around since. But, I mean, they know him. They seem to like him, and he's an energy player. So, Yeah, they didn't really give up much for him so there's Julian no. Gauthier in a seventh yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly and apparently um they they tried to re-sign Tyler Mott in the summer uh but they just didn't have enough room to be able to fit him in and so I, I'm not surprised that he goes back to the Rangers at all he's a he's a good player uh, that's why the NHL should just have loans loan <laughs> yeah. that player to Ottawa That'd be cool. And then what? You get him back at the end of the year? At the end of you the season? You can recall him whenever, but you have to pay a fee. Oh, I wonder if 
I mean, I know you can loan in the American League. I wonder if it's the same kind of structure as that. I don't know. That'd be cool, though. I could see that. That would be cool, for sure. That's a good idea, Case. Um, yeah, with, with the Rangers, I mean, uh, on, on paper, everything looks great. Final Four appearance last year. They could win the Stanley Cup this year. You know, Shesterkin has his game back, and they've got all the right elements. The only thing I kind of wonder about is with adding Tarasenko and Patrick Kane, you've already got Panarin there, Zibanejad, a lot of guys that want the puck on their stick. And I just, I wonder about that if they kind of have too much of the same in the top six. Um, but again, uh, they're, they're a great team. I could see them going on a deep playoff run. That's the only thing I wonder about, though. A lot of guys there that are stars and want the puck on their on their stick when, I'm gonna, uh, when it matters the most. I'm going to agree and disagree with you at the exact same time here because... <laughs> I agree that they have players playing together that are the same, but I think that they've got a good mix going on. But sorry, I'm explaining that all wrong. What I'm saying is the first line currently has three goal scorers who who want to get past two, and then the second line has three guys who want to pass. So they've got to do something about jumbling that up in my mind. When you talk about Panarin, that guy is a playmaker. He passes the puck. Kane can be both, but I see him more of a playmaker nowadays. Mm-hmm. And then Zabinijad is a, you know, he's been on a 60 goal pace before. Tarasenko's supposed to be a sniper. Kreider scored a boatload of goals last year. So I think they've got three guys who are goal scorers and three guys who are passers. And if they can find that formula properly, they'll be all right. But I see where you're coming from. What worries me more about their top six is. Not that they have a lot of guys who want the puck at the same time or that they have a lot of the same thing. I just, even though I do really like the top six, I see a lot of guys who can't play defense. They don't have many two-way players. So that is one concern for the team. I mean, you've got Shesterkin and a pretty good back end as well. Uh, So in the playoffs, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe they do what Edmonton did last year and just kind of outscore their problems. You know, like Connor and Leon both had two points per game last year. Um, Not saying anyone on the Rangers is the same uh, as those two, but they've got a lot of weapons, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how far the Rangers go this year uh all right my winner of the uh of the deadline i I think uh one of the winners for sure and it's kind of funny like uh we've all gone in a bit of a different direction for our winners uh case you went with a team that's uh very much in the race in the thick of it could make it into the playoffs in a wild card spot in the ottawa senators uh chad you went with a uh potential stanley cup contender in the new york rangers i'm gonna go with a team that uh that kind of punted on the rest of the season and I think was very smart about uh, about how to handle all of this given how the season has gone for them and where they're kind of at as a franchise after winning in 2018. Of, of course, I'm talking about the Washington Capitals. I think they did really well in, uh, in the moves that they made. I think they got great value in return in the Orlov-Hathaway deal with the Boston Bruins. Uh, I think they got great return for Lars Eller. Uh, from the uh, from the Colorado Avalanche, they get a second round pick there in I believe 2025, and then uh, 
that trade with the Maple Leafs, Chad, I'm sorry to say, but a young, talented defenseman in Rasmus Sandin. We were talking about this off air, but, you know, he's a, a, a young guy who just kind of got caught up in the numbers game on that Toronto blue line that is now just so overcrowded with defensemen. He ends up going somewhere where uh, they are looking towards next year and they're like, geez, like we have like next to no blue liners other than John Carlson. So he gets a great opportunity there. Sandine has got uh, uh, five points in two games uh, and uh, Washington gave up a late first round pick and Eric Gustafson, who probably won't get re-signed by Toronto in the summer. Uh, for a, a really good young player who just needed an opportunity. So I think when you add up all three of those uh, points that I just brought up, I think it was a very good deadline for the Capitals. I think it was very smart. Brian McClellan realizing that this is not our year, and uh, I think that you know they're going to kind of uh, reset things this summer here and, and uh, change up the roster a little bit, hopefully get healthy and be right back in the mix next season. I really like what the Capitals were able to do. Yeah, I was I was kind of shocked when I first saw the Orloff deal. You kind of think that Washington's in the same boat as Pittsburgh where they've got the aging core and they'd want to make one more push, but they are outside of the playoff picture, which is a tight run in uh in the east so i think it makes a lot of sense to make this kind of quick decision to to sell and boy did that orlov deal they that must have put up the uh the big billboard or something because it, there's quite a few trades came in after that i think they've got good value in all of their trades so i can see why you pick them as the winners it's definitely a different uh different direction than what chad and i took because we took playoff teams but yeah. you were you were going for the, the team that sold smart and uh that topic's probably going to come up later when we talk about who we think lost uh but yeah that that's a good haul for orlov and hathaway you're kind of replacing orlov with sandine down the road i think that's going to be such a great trade because sandine's going to get a chance in washington he's going to be their number one guy for a bit now because orlov's out uh, in the trade and Carlson is injured so Sandine's the guy it's been great for my fantasy team so far and um, yeah then selling off on Eller who's had a tough season um, for a second round pick is great Marcus Johansson going for his average rate of a third round pick at the trade deadline is another solid trade so yeah Washington some good moves you know you've been traded too much at the deadline if you have an average rate it's like what's the going rate for marcus johansson Here uh, it is. it's a third in two years sir <laughs> uh, it's like tyler mott I, i'm interested to see what they paid last year versus this year like should pull that up see if it's the average rate or if it changed uh but no harp i totally agree with you man i think washington are one of the winners of the deadline because like so many teams try to hold on for too long and i'm not saying that this is washington making the decision that they are totally going to tear it down and rebuild i think they just realized that look they couldn't get deals done with a guy like orlov or you know maybe a guy like eller doesn't fit into their uh team next year so they just kind of manage their assets in the best way possible in my opinion so 
I think that's great that they did that. Like I said, there are some teams who just hang on too long. Uh, you know, the term own rental, I don't know who coined that. Uh, might have been Kyle Dubas, honestly, a couple of years ago. But own rental is a thing where you keep your own player and then make the push for the playoffs or keep him for the playoffs. And like, if you're Washington, you're probably not going to make it, even if you keep all those guys. So an own rental wouldn't make any sense. I think they managed their assets perfectly here. I do think they overpaid a little bit for Rasmus Sandin. I don't know if he's worth quite a first-round pick. Um, that's why I was kind of happy with the value coming back for from Toronto's perspective because you upgrade on the player right now in Gustafson and you get a first-round pick. But you guys are going to make me cry talking about Rasmus Sandin, man. Like, I'm going to miss that guy so much. And, yes, he's going to get a fantastic opportunity in Washington. Like you said, five points in two games. It's great to see for the player, and I think Washington handled the deadline masterfully based on where they are in the standings and you know with that aging core and everything. By the way, Tyler Mott's average trade rate is all, all out of whack now. He went for a fourth-round pick last year, so... Yeah. Okay. So we're between a fourth and and what a seventh and a prospect. So okay, it's about it, average would be like a five or a six then, right? Yeah. Fifth. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. All right. Uh, on to our uh, our losers now from uh, the trade deadline and and leading up to it. Uh, Case, let's get your loser. And now a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid IV. Whether you're staying active or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients, it's non-GMO, and it's free from gluten, dairy, and soy. There are plenty of awesome flavors, but my personal favorite right now is lemon lime. So get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at checkout. That's 20% off anything in the store when you order using the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today with Liquid IV. This podcast is also sponsored by the best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. My loser, and we've been talking about them in several loser episodes, I think, is the Philadelphia Flyers um, for the exact opposite reason of Harp's Washington Capitals winner because they didn't do anything. This is a team that we are pretty certain on the direction of this team. Basically, everyone is except for perhaps the GM and coach of this team. Um they didn't sell off on any of their big pieces, JVR being the glaringly obvious one. His contract's done. Uh, there's a good chance that he's just going to walk in free agency this year. So not getting anything for him is tough. Uh, 
And I think they could have got a good little price tag on him, but the only trades they made this year were uh, they brought in Isaac Ratcliffe for this future considerations kid, uh, and then they <laughs> traded Zach McEwen for discount Zach McEwen in Brendan Lemieux and a 2024 fifth-round pick, and then Patrick Brown, a 30-year-old kind of depth forward, depth center to Ottawa for, uh, I think it was a six-round pick. Um, not enough for a team that's ready for the rebuild. I think that they should have been sellers and uh, they just didn't do anything. Whereas there's teams out there like Washington, who is... A, we don't really know if they're a seller yet or a rebuilding team yet. They made all sorts of great deals. The Nashville Predators, who we thought were going to be in the playoff race this year, they sold off and brought in an absolute boatload of picks. It's like, I, I just think that everyone else was doing it, including Chicago and Arizona, uh, and the Flyers didn't. They got left out of the party, and for me, they're losers off the trade deadline for that reason. Yeah, I agree with you, Case. I mean, I've been calling for chuck fletcher's head for the last you know however many seasons because i think he's the worst general manager in the league and again it's no disrespect to him as a person i'm sure he's a nice guy but some of the moves uh and non-moves for that matter have just been complete head scratchers like the jvr one you know he did talk to the media about that and said that he tried and there were no takers for jvr but at a certain point you've got to get something back you have to force a deal through you have to show your fans that even if we're not good now we will be in the future with the picks we get for our players so by not doing anything i think that's a big fuck you to all philly fans and just saying like either I can't do my job or I didn't know how or something like that. And that is exactly one of the reasons why I've picked them as a loser is because I have since seen so many comments of Flyers fans being pissed off that nothing was done at this trade deadline, whether that be, you know, making trades to try to be better next year or making trades to tank and, and get draft picks and maybe Connor Bedard. They did neither of those. And I, I even saw some guy saying, I don't know, what do you say? I'm going to switch to the wild for a couple of years until the <laughs> Philadelphia Flyers get Chuck Fletcher out of here. And I was like, hate that comment, but okay, sure. <laughs> Man, I'm just happy the Flyers aren't playing in Toronto right now. But, you know, now that we're talking about trashing the Flyers and everything on a Tuesday night like I would have my doors locked because Tony D'Angelo would be busting in to tear me apart because he's been going after everybody online for talking shit about the Flyers have you seen that no I haven't yeah there's just, been some no. there's been some tweets criticizing Chuck Fletcher and Tony D'Angelo of all people very active on Twitter and everywhere else and has some some very um uh, opinion he has opinions on a lot of things we'll say he came busting in and just started ripping these random people saying like, oh, this isn't NHL 23, be a GM mode. Like, you can't just make deals. Were you in the <clears throat> trade calls? Do you know what was offered? And so, you know, I, maybe I should go lock my door anyways in case Tony is, uh, you know, can hear this. But Well, I'm going to yeah, jump on that lock my door parade right now because he by far got the least amount of points on my fantasy team this past week. So, uh, oof. What's he doing about it? Oof. 
Yeah, I just thought that was funny though. He's been going after <laughs> he's been going after some fans online about this very thing, about fans saying, you know, we're pissed that Chuck didn't make any moves and Tony came to Chuck's defense basically and and, and so did Torts, by the way. Tortorella with the media came, came out and said yeah. like, "Listen, he tried." So well, I, I mean, we're kind of beating a dead horse here. I think everybody is ripping on the Philadelphia Flyers. They have been uh, all season and, of course, after the, the deadline. But, I mean, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, the, the Flyers are in a a really tough spot because, I, it, you know, again, I, I think Van Riemsdyk was one of their only pieces that they were able to have out there to get rid of to get a potential return you know like you're you're not trading Konechny and and guys like Faraby and Provorov why though who have ju- who uh, just had why not Konechny uh, I guess I'm he's kinda, hurt now he, yeah but, I I don't know I I see that guy as part of the solution there personally I, but the solution's so far down the road i think they would have got a king's ransom for connecting this year with yeah. how good he's been so no that's fair i get um, i get he is the poster boy when it comes to philadelphia in my mind he's just yeah. like that philadelphia mentality and plays a great game there so yeah. i can understand why they wouldn't want to trade him but man oh man that they would have got so much for him he he's had a great season. No, that's a good point for sure. Um, and well, and, maybe- and then the other thing that I was uh, trying to say there, like uh, guys like Joel Faraby and Ivan Provorov, who are still young, they've shown flashes of of being really good players in this league, but they've just had terrible seasons. And if if Philadelphia were to trade them right now. Or, or if they did trade guys like that at the deadline, I mean, it would have been pennies on the dollar. Like, I, you know, uh, it, it, not a, a good return at, at all. And, and especially for Faraby, you know, he's been healthy scratched. I, I, he's been on the fourth line and, and all of it. He's just had a, a, an awful season. Um, but what about, like, playing the Arizona Coyotes role or for some reason the Minnesota Wild role this year of eating up dead yeah. cap for teams yeah like they, they didn't decide to do that either they actually have 3.2 million dollars of just wide open cap that yeah. nothing is is being used there so i don't know I, it's well, just strange no it, it, that's a good point as well case and the last thing i'll say about the flyers like if you're a flyers fan like you have to be hoping that you have a good draft that this is like the this potentially could be a franchise changing draft i think it needs to be like it it, they have to have a good draft because just you look at this team they're not very good you know it looked like a month and a half ago they were kind of back in the race a little bit in in the in the metro and then they just you know they they fell back down and just here we are and and everything and They've got guys that should be in the lineup there, like Couturier, that just that aren't. But, I mean, you, you have to deal with that, and you have to try and, and uh, you know, get some value in and stock up picks and all of that. They haven't done that, but the, there is some opportunity, I think, at the draft for Chuck Fletcher to make some 
some bigger moves and some smart ones. Like I'm not talking about the risk the line and trade for God's sakes, but so you know to actually do some good work and uh, to move this thing in the right direction because right now. I just have no idea where this franchise is going to be down the road and who's going to be coming in to be the saviors. Yeah, I truly think that they think if they're healthy next season, everybody's healthy, that they're a playoff team. And they're just so far from that. And everyone can see it except for their management group. And I just don't know where to go from here if you're the Flyers because if Chuck Fletcher is at the helm – they're going to continue to push. And like, there's the argument that some cities don't have the appetite for a rebuild. But I think if you do it properly and send a message out to your season ticket holders and say, okay, it's going to be tough for a couple years, but we're going to be really, really good after that. I think if you give a timeline and if you're specific and if you're creative about it, because I think that's one thing that they've lacked is creativity in this whole uh, uh you know this these last couple of years so if they're able to do something like that it could work and i think philadelphia would be open to a rebuild but i just i just don't see it happening with this uh, management group i don't well i don't think that they could have emotionally taken it after the super bowl maybe <laughs> yeah maybe that's the yeah. case Fair enough. Uh, you know, at least they've got the Phillies and the Eagles, and yeah, the other sports teams in, in Philly are doing well. But I, you know, at the end of the day, I think Flyers fans and and sports fans in general, they just they want to have a sense of direction. You know, for, like what direction are we going in? They want to know that. And uh, believe me, guys, like you, you know, um, with my Sabers for years, like it just it was just spinning wheels no direction at all it seemed and now i mean i'm as happy as can be because i i see where we're going and and uh it's it's moving along uh, along a lot quicker than i thought but uh man uh, th- those poor flyers fans they certainly deserve better and i, I don't know what we're going to get down the road here it's going to be interesting All right, let's move on from uh, the Philadelphia Flyers as one of the losers. And, uh, Chad, let's get your loser. I'm picking another team in the Metro that uh, I actually like quite a bit more than the Philadelphia Flyers, and that's the Pittsburgh Penguins as trade deadline losers. Why? Because they didn't bring anyone in of significance to add to this aging core, which... A, might not make the playoffs. B, if they do make the playoffs, are probably going to get steamrolled by Boston. So if you're Pittsburgh, you need to follow the Boston model. Bring in everyone you can and mortgage your future to a certain extent to add to your core and give them one last push or a couple more pushes. And Pittsburgh just didn't do that. They added Mikhail Granlin for a second round pick. That's fine. He's playing at 3C. Uh, you know, he has 36 points in 58 games this year in Nashville. None in his first two in Pittsburgh. But he's never scored 30 goals. He's never had 70 points. So essentially, he's a middle six player who can get you some depth scoring but he's like really is a player like that going to move the needle if you don't add anything else you know they added Kulikov as well which again that's fine and they added Benino as a fourth line center who they know and like 
Um, and then going out, you've got Brock McGinn, Kasperi, Kapanen. Kapanen was uh, a waiver casualty and some picks. But I just don't think the Pittsburgh Penguins did nearly enough at this deadline to give their core another shot at it. And not only another shot in the playoffs, but another shot in the arm, another injection to just give them some energy to be able to get to the playoffs, you know, because they've had some decent goaltending this year, which is, you know, the first time in a while. I guess Jari was good last year until the playoffs, but like you need to take advantage of it if you're Pittsburgh, and I feel like they they very much didn't at the deadline. Yeah, I think that everyone's a little disappointed in Pittsburgh at this trade deadline. I think there's an expectation of more coming, but I don't know if I can go as far as you are because I, I think they did bring in some good pieces at some good value. I think Kulikov for a third and a player that wasn't really playing for them and Brock McGinn or playing well for them uh, is good value. Nick Benino for a seventh and a fifth is great value in my mind for a depth guy with a ton of experience who you know could be playing better on a on the Pittsburgh Penguins compared to San Jose. Granlin is having a phenomenal year for him. Like I, I get that he's not quite the piece most people wanted for Pittsburgh, but I think he's having a great season and a second is a good price for him. Uh and Teddy Bluger as well. Like I I think that they've brought in good pieces, but I think they brought in the pieces of a team that are second or third in the conference. Um, you know, like teams to to push your already phenomenal team over the edge, whereas they're a team that still needs to make the playoffs. So that, in my mind, could make them a loser. I agree with that case. And I don't have, like, I'll just be clear, I don't have a problem with the value they gave up at all. I think for the most part, they win all of the deals that they made. Makes sense. It's just, if you're, you know, if you're Pittsburgh, I think you have to follow the Boston approach and just truly give your guys the best chance to win you know add an orlov if that's what you need uh you know different situation but why not be in on timo meyer make the money work like it's just i feel like they needed that one big piece and they just weren't able to get it so for me that's a loss uh the trade deadline in my books yeah, like I, I don't have really much uh, more to add on the on the pens, but um, I mean we we've heard this time and again when you have guys like Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, you're going for it every single year. Um, and I was surprised that again going back to Washington and kind of the direction that they decided to go in, uh, I was surprised a little bit just the fact that Ovechkin is there and and wants to win another cup after winning in 2018. But um, you know, I look at Pittsburgh and I just thought that you know they're in such a similar spot uh, like like the Capitals and just figured that. The smart thing to do would be for them to to do the same thing as Washington. Just did not seem to be on the table there. Mike Sullivan and and Ron Hextall, I think that there was some sort of uh, disagreement there. We we heard that Sullivan really wanted them to bring in a player like Jacob Chikrin, and Hextall just felt that they didn't have the assets to do it. But Case, I'm with you. They did add three pretty good players who I think can help them how much we're not sure and I do like that point that you know it's sort of like 
the, the moves that the Colorado Avalanche made last year to put them over the top with guys like Arturi Lekkanen and, and so on and so forth. So don't expect uh, the Pens to necessarily get in and, and go on a big run, but you never know with this group. And, you know, as long as you have Crosby and company, they're going to yeah. be in it. So think, of, think, about, think about it this way, though. Um, essentially, Pittsburgh traded Brock McGinn and John Marino for Kulikov and Ty Smith. So I don't, when you put it that way, the value starts going out the window because you replaced the worst player in Kulikov uh, for John Marino and then brought in Ty Smith, who, you know, has upside, but he's an AHL player. The thing with McGinn, like, I, I don't have a problem with him going out because you bring in Benino, and I think... You know, they're, I think they're pretty similar players. I think Benino, uh, obviously, because he's a centerman, just fits the bottom six better for this team. They needed a guy to take important draws, and Benino and he's does been that. There before, and yeah, and he won two cups with them, so that's something too. Um, but man, I just, I just looked at the moves and thought, I, like, no problem with the value. Just thought they should have added bigger and more impactful pieces. And that's yeah. why they're my losers. And before the comment warriors come out about my John Marino comments, I get that there's cap implications and they got to move the cap. I just thought it was fun to look at it that way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, all right. Uh my loser and uh and case I, I know that you want to talk about these guys um but uh they're they're the calgary flames uh for for me it's it's been a tough year in calgary boys i mean i mean there's no there's no other way around it you know we we looked at this team on paper after uh really you know after being forced to pivot after losing your your two uh, superstars and Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk, and we all thought, geez, they get Huberdo and Uyghur, and they've done a, a really great job pivoting from a, a really tough situation, and they're a good team, and they'll be right back in the playoffs and maybe could win the Pacific Division. No, nothing's worked. They had a lot of guys who had career years last season, including the guys that they brought in in that Florida trade. Huberto there this year has been an absolute disaster. He just doesn't have it. The goaltending, I think Daryl Sutter has been extremely hard on these guys when it's been so tough there, and they just they need a guy behind the bench who can get off them a little bit, just pull back a little bit. It's been really tough. And so, you know, they I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs at this point. They have to go on a huge run at this point late in the season to, uh, to make it in. They haven't won four games in a row all season. So to now try and string a bunch of wins together this late and try and squeak in, it, it's just not possible, I don't think, for this team. So uh, they're in a really tough spot. But I, I really thought that, Brad Tree living with the way he is. He's an aggressive general manager. Obviously, we know that. He likes to be in on everything that he would really, really uh, do his best. And you know what? He, he probably tried, but I just, I really thought he'd be able to get something done to give this team a shot in the arm. And he failed to do that. He made two minor trades, uh, redeemed Zahorna to Toronto for Dryden Hunt. 
you know, just a minor league deal at best, and then uh, swapped out a couple of players in uh, Connor Mackey and Brett Ritchie for, of course, uh, Brett's brother, uh, Nick Thick Ritchie, and uh, and Troy Stetcher, which is a move that really won't do much for for your club. I think that you know Ritchie is a, is a Calgary <clears throat> Daryl Sutter kind of player, but at this point, that's not something that's that's going to do a lot for you. I think that Tree Living was maybe better off to give his team a shot in the arm with uh, someone of significance or accumulate some picks and some prospects and kind of do what Washington, Nashville, St. Louis did leading up to the, uh, to the deadline. Maybe by next year's deadline, this team will be in that spot where uh, they will have some big pieces to sell off and they can bring in a ton of assets and focus on their young players because they think they've got lots of good ones. But man, like we did not expect Calgary to be in this spot. And I just think they could have added something or just, you know, made some good moves at the deadline. They just kind of, uh, you know, um, w- they just kind of st- uh, stood pat and th- they're not any better and probably not going to make the playoffs. So uh, uh, thoughts on the Flames as losers? I think everyone is disappointed in this team for not making a move to try to make the push. But if you take a step back and think about this team, I don't think it's the end of the world it's going to be hard to catch Colorado and Edmonton as the wildcard spots. Think about those two teams being the wildcard spots at the moment. Uh, It's going to be tough. And I think that this team has maybe the mentality of the Philadelphia Flyers, but rightfully so in that this team can be really good next year. They've got all their good players locked up with some term, um, They've got Lucic coming off the books next year. They've got Thick Rich contract, $2.5 million coming off the books next year. And uh, I think there's some, yeah, Michael Stone IR cap coming off. They're going to have some wiggle room in the free agency this year. And like Harp said, they've got some good young players. Hopefully, they're the goaltending can bounce back. This team can be good next year, and they could be in a good spot. So maybe they're a little gun-shy because they didn't want to screw up next year. And it's also a deep draft. We talked about that. But yes, Harp, this was a team that I wanted to mention in this episode because the lack of trades was a little bit alarming. And and, and kind of, like you said, we expect True Living to do a lot. And uh, we expected this team to make a push, but crazy it's crazy to think that nashville is ahead of them in the standings and look what they did that is wild uh case i'm leaning more towards your side i don't know if you two are directly opposed but i think case you are more of the mindset where you look at this team you take a step back and you think next year they could be just as good if not better than they were last season uh given all the pieces and i'm more so in that camp because if we look at this team You know, at the start of the year, clearly they had some major, major changes to the personnel. And also this season, they've gotten terrible goaltending from both of their guys. uh, And they're still generating expected goals. They're just not finishing. So I know it's more complicated than that. But when you boil it down, they're still generating offense and they're not getting saves. So next year, I'm willing to bet on this team as a playoff team. 
if everything stays the same, just because, um, you know, a lot went wrong in Calgary this year. And I think it would take a lot of uh, things going wrong again next year, sort of in the same way for them to be in the same spot. And I just don't see that happening. So I don't know if they're the losers of the trade deadline, in my opinion, because case I think you're right, maybe they were a little gun shy, uh, just, you know, given the fact that they have a pretty good team on paper. And you know what, for this team, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because I think they are still pretty good. And Harp, you mentioned the young players too. I think they're going to factor into the team next year even more so. Jacob Peltier is really, really good. Like he is, man, like watching that guy play and looking at some of his underlying numbers already in the few games that he has played, he looks really good. He looks like he's going to be an offensive threat every time he's on the ice. So that's important for them because they need guys to score. This year it hasn't gone that way. By the way, I want to point out a mistake I made about the cap situation next year for Calgary. All of that stuff is coming off the books, but something to remember is Huberto's contract kicks in next year, and that's an oh. extra $5 million on his deal. So um, it's not Uyghurs as good. Too, right? It's not as does a Uyghur start next year? Yeah, um, it does. And so with those two contracts starting and everyone else coming off the books, they actually already have uh, $1.76 million more next mm. year. <laughs> For forwards. Well, I mean, and at least you're paying it to those guys instead of uh, Milan Lucic. You just better hope next year that your $6 million man between the pipes plays like a $6 million man. Really. Sorry, they do. They are doing better on the cap next year for forwards, but defense, it goes up. I'm all over the place here. Just, just go Google cap friendly and go look at the team. Because <laughs> that's what we're doing on the fly. Yeah. <laughs> all right. There we go. Uh, winners and losers uh, from NHL trade deadline week. Uh, better name for it last week. Now in the rearview mirror, final stretch is on before the playoffs. All right, guys, let's do fantasy corner quick, and then we'll wrap up. Case, I, I'm not uh, not going to say much about our matchup last week. I'll, I'll let you take it away. You won, and uh, yeah, let, let's let's get into our matchup last week. You're now listening to the Fantasy Corner right here on the Boys in the Booth podcast. Harper, I didn't just beat you. I drove you into the fucking <laughs> ground. I beat you by 80 points. It was 213.50 to 133.20. Your team underperformed on the projected and my team overperformed, but the projecteds were 201 to 155. So definitely smacked you around a little bit. Thanks, Jared McCann, for four goals and two assists in four games. Um, Basically a full team effort here, except for Tony D'Angelo. Everyone putting up numbers for me. It was definitely a good year. And if I can continue to put, or a good week, if I can continue to put that up in the playoffs here, um, I'll feel a little bit better. I still don't expect to win anything, but let's see how high I can finish, I guess. Yeah, uh, damn. Last week for me was not as good as Casey's week uh, against you, Harper. I lost to your brother for my third loss of the season and 
it was a tough one because I was projected to win by almost 40 points and he beat me by four on Sunday night because and, and this is this is how badly I was like addicted to watching this all week it came down to sunday night and it was the avalanche game and i turned it on because i was hoping for a miko rantanen uh game winner and obviously that didn't happen (laughs) so your brother beat me 210 to 206 but it was tied right up until the very end uh of overtime in in that game so bit of a tough one doesn't really change anything though i remain in second place uh i don't think i'm going up or down i mean i'm certainly can't go up because kuznetsov third line is 20 and oh and might go a clean sweep on the season 21 and oh uh and then no regretskis now is is two wins back three wins back of me actually so i'm staying pat in in second place and that's fine right now it looks like i might be playing casey depending on what happens this week uh, or maybe a couple other guys in, in the mix too. So it's getting exciting. Like we mentioned off the top, this is a uh, this is the final week of the regular yep. season in fantasy. So the next few weeks are going to be insane, and uh, I'm super excited. Yeah, I think, uh, Case, I think you put a dagger in my playoff <laughs> hopes for the Sunnyvale Hockey Club, which uh, which is too bad. Playing the Meatheads this week, hopefully I can get a win and finish the regular season, and we'll see how it all shakes out. But yeah, this is the final week, and the playoffs should be fun, for sure, in our fantasy You can play league. spoiler this week. If you beat the Meatheads, and one of the Zamboni guy, Brat Pack, or Nico as our captain loses, then you're playing spoiler for the Meatheads, because they would have a shot at uh jumping up the standings yeah, i guess that's, that's if true. I, if i win this week chad i have a pretty good chance of coming six at the moment yeah in turn because the total points right well no because zamboni guy is currently poised to lose to dirty birdies and uh that would do it oh okay so then that would be interesting just looking at it now what what's uh nico is our captain what is he projected for right now because he is currently sitting in that bubble position with you two guys as well uh projected the win against the mail order bride so it could come down to zamboni guy in eighth place and meatheads in ninth depending what happens between you and the meatheads this week harper so very interesting stuff figuring that out on the fly but uh because this is the last week of the season i'll read top five bottom five real quick right now and uh so here we go kuznetsov's third line 20 and 0 uh multiple scorgasms that's me in second no regretskis in third dirty birdies in fourth and North Korea, Paul North Korea in fifth. What a season Cameron had this year compared to last. Like just an absolute 180. Uh, and then bottom five, 16th, Connor McJavids, uh, 17th, Will Nye, the science guy, uh, 18th, I took the walk to Poland, 19th, the mail order brides, and 20th, 119-0, and Eichel Tower. <laughs> All right, there we go. Final week of fantasy before the playoffs and uh, final stretch before the playoffs in the National Hockey League. Looking forward to it. Enjoy the games this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat with you again next Wednesday. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. 
connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.